This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Robert Workman. Robert is a sales hired gun, an expert on the art of selling to the boss, the author of Hired Gun, Hired Gun 2, and the new book releasing in May, Becoming the Boss. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Roman. I appreciate it and look forward to working with you and your group of uh, digital savages out there. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? I, you know, a lot of people will say, lead in with something like, yeah, it's an interesting story. Well, this really is. Uh, I'm writing books and producing sales training programs and doing uh, podcasts and interviews and so forth, delivering webinars to help train salespeople. When I graduated college, I had a film degree in screenwriting and so forth. So I moved to Dallas in anticipation of the new third coast coming here. Well, it wasn't here yet. <laughs> so I couldn't find a job. Meanwhile, my wife got hired as a Playboy bunny for the brand new Playboy <laughs> club. Then she got a job working for a chain of 13 big department stores. They were rivaling Neiman Marcus at the time called Sanger Harris. And she got a job as special events manager for all 13 stores. One of the special events she lined up was the filming on site in their stores of the series Dallas that shot about half of their shows there. So my, my, my wife, who's a fashion design major, is sitting with her own director's chair on the set of a 70 million viewer show in TV. And I'm the TV guy sitting at home writing a story that I sold for 12 bucks. <laughs> so I was so down, I, I wanted to get a job. I just wanted to feel valuable in some way. And I saw an ad in the paper for a, a, a writer needed. So I jumped on it and I, I also saw an ad the day before for a job for a salesman for a TV station. And in my family, our, my family's all academics, medical doctor, teacher, and in academic circles, they really don't think very highly of salespeople. Matter of fact, they kind of look down their noses at salespeople. In my, my whole life's experience was sales was a job you got if you couldn't do anything else. I was so low, I went to get a job in sales. But on the way, I veered into the job interview for the writer position, and it happened to be a job writing sales training materials. So my very first professional paid gig writing was writing sales training. I didn't know anything about it, but I had all the research handed to me. I had to be a writer and write it into a way that could be used to learn and train with, which I did. I got so fascinated by sales, by learning about it, that I went into the boss who hired me. And he was a mega speaker. He became one of the most sought after speakers in the world. He was doing 225 gigs a year. His name was Joseph J. Charbonneau. And uh, I went in and said, say, Joe, this looks like fun. You think I could try this? And he sat back in his chair. He said, you, a writer, want to try sales? The next day, I had a desk, a phone, uh, a secretary, and an office and started selling. And never stopped writing, but started selling and launched a 40-year sales career. And the things that I learned through that five-year mentor experience with Joe Charbonneau about sales and business leadership propelled me to be number one in every sales job I've ever had. 
And uh, that creates its own set of adversities, which is what a lot large part of my books and speaking gigs are about, are that you a person might naturally assume that if I'm really great and I really do a good job and I'm really number one consistently over a long period of time, I'm golden. I'm made. You know, they love me. You don't realize that you're expendable. And that's what I had to learn after decades. I learned that, yes, you're highly desired. Yes, your skill sets are, are top tier and, and people want you and people will pay you a lot of money to come in and get their company right by creating a revenue stream and an account base because of your exceptional skills. What you also have to accept is the fact that you're also expendable. Highly desired does not mean you're not expendable. And one day you'll come in after about five years and get whacked. And it's happened to me over and seven or eight times. And that's part of what I try not to bore my audience by going through seven or eight times, but I get I give enough to give the picture when I do my how to make yourself indestructible webinar. And uh, so now after about four decades of top tier sales and, and making lots of money and having a great, great life, I'm writing about it again. So I wrote Hired Gun, Hired Gun 2. I've got the next book coming out. And so it would come full circle from being a writer to being a salesman to writing about sales. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and you mentioned, I think it's important if you can get a mentor or somebody that's, you know, done it or, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever amount of time within the industry or whatever you hope to become, it can really fast track you and really teach you some valuable things in terms of some of the pain points that person has went through. And like you said, unless you fully work for yourself, obviously, you have other considerations and things to worry about, but you can be the best, the number one person, if there's a layoff round or uh, you get a boss that doesn't necessarily align or there's some kind of, uh, you know, friction between them. There's so many reasons that you can get let go or laid off uh, that you don't necessarily control and your knowledge base and what you do. I mean, you can be the best one, but if the company is not doing well, you know, they unfortunately have to cut people and kind of stay above water and you get cut. So it's one of those things I think a lot of people and in terms of this kind of climate as well have either been furloughed, laid off, fired, and it, it shouldn't de devalue you or deval uh, devalidate. So you still are valuable and you still have a skill set because oftentimes you correlate that losing that job with, with you're not good enough or something was wrong or you did something wrong. That's not necessarily the case. So I think it's important to really know your value regardless of what kind of time you're going through. Exactly. And a major part of my presentation is to get people to actually take time for, to do something that's probably the single most valuable thing they'll ever do in their life for themselves that no one ever would ever think of doing. And that is writing down who they are as a human being. And I call it writing your identity. Uh, you can go all the way back to the Delphi oracles and, and know thyself and the Bible and know thyself and Socrates and know thyself. Everybody all our lives has told us, know thyself. My main question is, has anybody ever taught you how? Showed you how to know yourself? No. Okay, let's do that right now. And I hand out 120 positive words for them to use as a crib sheet. And then we go through an exercise where we work down and winnow down and winnow down into writing a clear, concise, just one paragraph about who I am as a human, as a unique human being. Who is the human, the unique human that is me? Like I put it this way, I say, you've got an elevator pitch for your business. You've got an elevator pitch for your company. Do you have an elevator pitch for you? 
No, people really don't. If I said, who are, tell me about yourself. Who are you? Then people start talking about their job. No, I didn't ask that. I don't know what you did. I asked, who are you? People can't tell you. They really don't have that foundation. And without that, when adversity happens and we have to deal with our top five psychological fears, fear of the change, fear of the unknown, uh, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of rejection. If you don't have an ironclad self-concept, you're on shaky ground to be able to deal with that. But if you do, it's just another obstacle for you to get by and you deal with it and move on forward. So that's a lot of what I really work with people is to protect the information that comes into our minds and create our own self-concept and project that outward. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's one of those things where everything in life is a lesson or a blessing. And if something happens, you learn from it, you take it and apply it either to pivot or learn something else to kind of, in my opinion, kind of future-proof yourself for whatever is there to come, you know, in the next kind of thing that you have to deal with. Yeah, that's a good term. I like that future-proof. You do. You future-proof yourself. Um, that's what I call making yourself indestructible. When you when you have that self-concept and self-belief and you know you can get through, I've gotten through these things before, I'll get through it again, and I am good, and I am the best, and I just go down the street and find another one who's looking for a top-tier sales rep, boom, you handle it. You know? Uh, in my in my experience, it hasn't been the the companies in trouble who lay off their top people. It's the companies who are doing great and being positioned to be sold. And it's usually about a five year mark. So in my second book, I go through eleven telltale signs that things are changing and not in your benefit, and how to tell what's going on around you that we tend to miss because in sales, where our goal is to get those deals done, and we have a laser focus. Just you've got to be focused in sales. And when you're so focused, you're almost like a racehorse with blinders on. You don't see what's going on around you. And if you don't take note of what's going on around you, it will come from behind you and kick you right in the butt. So that's what I'm trying to get people to do is expand your vision and notice that all of a sudden meetings are increasing. I used to have one meeting a week. Now I got like three and about eight a month. Uh, when my reports increase, like I used to just turn in sales orders and now I got to do a pipeline report and a, a pipeline forecast and a revenue report and account status and so on and so forth. And all this data put into my uh, new brand new company held CRM that they just bought and put a lot of money into. Things like that start happening. They're telltales. And you've got to sit up and take notice of what's going on around you, because if you don't, you may very well be one of the ones caught by surprise and outside standing around looking for a job. It's yeah, I agree. Vital to take control of your own destiny. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time and the variables in your life, but what currently motivates you to succeed? This is something I, I learned somewhat recently. High achievers, and I've spent my life studying high achievers, I learned that high achievers will achieve for the sake of the achievement more so than they'll achieve for the reward of making that achievement. Oh yeah, it's great. I get this, I get this ring. We won the World Series. It's not the ring. It's we won the World Series. You know? Um, it, it's the achievement. And and so I'm achieving myself to death here. Uh, I retired three years ago because I realized I finally was in a job I loved, the company I loved, I was successful in it, and I was having a great time. And I would have stayed there. 
And right now, those guys are making money hand over. There's, that job was selling distance learning education to law enforcement agencies. What a golden business to be in right now. Training to law enforcement, online, video, and selling by Zoom or over the phone. <laughs> what a job. They're, they're, they're just doing great. And I'm happy for them. But I had to leave because if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I realized I don't, if I don't stop and do it now, I never will. So I stopped and I wrote the second book and I've written the third book is coming out and I've got a sales training program I'm bringing out. I've got a sales management training program I'm bringing out. I'm starting to do these uh, webinars and podcasts. And in the middle of all this, and I mean, I can't turn around. I have to figure out what project am I working on today? I'm working way harder now than I ever did, but I'm, I'm loving it because it's my own achievements and I'm helping other people. Um, <laughs> in the middle of all that, I get overwhelmed by this passion to write a crime novel. <laughs> I've never written a crime novel. And I'm right, I have 25,000 words into this crime novel that I've rewritten three times already. And still, I've got to go over here and work on this and got to go over here and work on this. But it's just, I think it's the achievement of, of achieving things you, you want to do that you know are meaningful to you. That to me, and, and what's meaningful to me is when I achieve and, and, and do really well and have plenty of cash in the bank because I've done well. I go out and write a check for a car. I've been through six Ferraris because every time I get really successful and really happy, I go write a check and buy one. Then within about two or three years, it seems to be that life adversity happens in sales and I've got to go sell it. And then I can do well again and I go buy another one. And so if you ever want to see where's Bob at in his life, does he have one or not? If he doesn't, he's dealing with a lot of adversity. If he does, he's on top feeling great about the world. So. Yeah, and I think it's about the journey, obviously. The the whole thing is enjoying the process, learning through it. And a, the goal shouldn't be a destination because whatever kind of success is to a person, it should be really a moving target because once you get there, I mean, most people, at least for myself, obviously not everyone, but they don't want to plateau. Okay, they reach something or they get to stay there. And then it's kind of like if you do, you kind of take your foot off the gas pedal, become complacent. And I think complacency is kind of the death of innovation. So you become comfortable and in that comfort state, your body or your mind as a human is, is telling you to stay there because it's safe. But I think truly the things that happen in terms of breakthroughs and, and advancements are in that kind of uncertain, chaotic place where you take a leap and you're out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. You, you stay there too long, you get bored. And you, you're right, you get complacent. And I, I just writing an article I just wrote, I wrote about the very first time in my life. I mean, I was only 34 years old. And I'd learned the sales training. I'd been with Joe for five years. I made a huge decision to leave this guy that I loved and go get a job selling. I want to really try this stuff. And oh my God, it made so much money. His hand over. It was almost illegal. So I'm driving home at 34, Friday of Memorial Day weekend, in my nice little 308 Ferrari, sitting up on the back seat, driving with my feet out in the country because there's no there's a road with nobody on it but me to my house. And I'm thinking, God, life is wonderful. And I'm starting to think, you know, maybe I need to back off a little bit. I've been pushing and pushing and pushing, and I've got all this land and this house and these cattle and these horses and these cars. Maybe I need to just back off and enjoy it a little bit. I walked in Monday. Our vulture capitalist backers had sold us out to our competition. They raided us like the Alamo, of the fall of the Alamo. 
and fired us all. And we were all out of jobs, out of a company and boom. And that was only three days later. So <laughs> you got to worry about that because it can come back and get you. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's one of those things when you're in like a good place in your life in terms of ideally, professionally and personally, you know that something eventually is going to happen in terms of a wrench or something that you don't expect or is unforeseen. So I think preparing in that, you know, those good times for kind of the storms to come. I agree. Boy, oh boy, that is so true. And I've been there many, many, many times. It's just funny how it repeated itself. And it took me about four episodes of this for me to realize Okay, I know who I am. I know I'm good. Why does this keep happening? If something keeps happening over and over to you, it can't be everybody else. It's got to be me. You know, it's like the whole band isn't out of step. I'm the one out of step. Okay, what am I doing? And you start getting really introspective. And it took a lot of work for me to figure out. I thought I was great because I knew my self-concept. I knew my self-identity. I can write it. I write it down almost every day, at least in a couple of sentences to keep track and keep things going. So I've got all that going for me. What What's the problem? Well, the issue is it isn't me. I don't have anything wrong with me. And there isn't anything wrong with anybody else. That's the way business is. And when you're, high, when you're brought in as a high-profile rainmaker and you make it rain and the company positions itself for a major executive corporate change, you're probably going to be out. And uh, that's why I call it the gunfighter syndrome. You watch all these old westerns and it's always... Lawless town, bad guys shooting it up. Let's get together, town council. Let's put our money together. Let's bring in a hired gun, shoot these guys and get rid of them. So they do. They bring in Clint Eastwood in, in, in High Plains Drifter, or they bring in Henry Fonda in Warlock, or God, there's a hundred movies like this. Or Blazing Saddles is the same theme. We got a lawless town. We need a sheriff. Let's bring in a sheriff. Then the sheriff comes in, does the hard work, cleans up the town, makes it a safe place for business and commerce. Who's the first person they want to get rid of? The hired gun. Because they're so threatened by the power that this person holds with their skills that they want to get rid of them. Salesperson, top, top, top salesperson. I'm not talking about your middle of the road guys who don't make waves and turn in their 60% performances and make their quotas barely every month. I'm talking about the top guys who make 10 times the quota one month and may not sell anything the next month and make five times the quota the following month. And, and sell five times what the rest of the guys sell. I'm talking about that person. That person's brought in, they perform at that level. When the company wants to sell, when the company wants to merge, when the company executives change, first person they want to get rid of is the top earning person because that translates straight to the bottom line. We take those accounts, we make them house accounts, we shift them to a brand new person because they're already sold, the hard heavy lifting's done, they just have to manage that account. So let's give it to this person for about 10% of the commission we were paying that guy, get rid of that guy, and on our bottom line, now we've saved a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in commissions. And if we do that three or four times to our top reps, look at that, we can show another million bucks to the bottom line and we'll sell and cook the books just like that. And it happens over and over and over and over. So Yeah, I, I agree. I've seen it as well. So <laughs> yeah. what's one thing that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Well, the weakness that I've seen about myself in the past is, is kind of what I was talking about. It was that I thought I was uh, golden because of my performance and because of the congratulations from the boss and so forth. You think you're golden. But my great realization was, you're not. You're expendable. Again, you, you're highly desired, highly sought after, highly com compensated. 
and you're expendable. So I wouldn't take any sales position that paid me that if I'm doing really great in the job, the first thing I'm going to look at is where am I going to go? Where am I going to be in five years? I'm going to be somewhere else. That's just the law of nature. Uh, it's happened to me over and over and over and over and over again, and it's just proof of performance. You'd like to think, gee, I can stay here. Everybody likes me. We built this thing together, and I'm going to hang around because they love me. Nah, sorry. Things change, and you're one of the things that change. And sales, being such a highly visible position and a highly valuable position, it's like being center fielder on a baseball team. You get one line drive in a game, and if you miss it, everybody in the world knows. You get a second baseman or a shortstop, they miss a play or two in a game. There's so many, they don't. nobody stands up and goes, oh, my God. But if you're in the outfield and the spotlight's on you, you can't, you've got to get that ball. Same kind of thing, same visibility with a, a high-profile, top-tier sales rep. And you've got to be able to take care of yourself. And to do that requires a bulletproof self-concept to begin with and an understanding of how to deal with life's adversities. And that's what we kind of teach. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's almost like uh, working with a sense of urgency because, you know, if, if you're the top one, especially for companies, when they get to a level of, you know, they have market share in their industry, sometimes they stop innovating. Sometimes they think they have so much market share that no one can catch them. But if you look at kind of the fortune list over the last, you know, even 30, 20, 30 years, those companies, majority of them are not on that list because they kind of thought that they were indestructible and they faded away to their competitor. Yeah. And one of the things Joe taught me is new business is top priority. You have always got to be selling and bringing in new business from new revenue and new accounts because old accounts go away. You know, they just do. And you've got to be replacing them all the time. If for nothing else, replacing them, much less advancing your revenue stream. So, yeah, I learned two things. For externally, new, rep, new sales revenue is top priority. Internally, payroll is top priority. You never mess with payroll. Bottom line, that's top priority. Outside, you never mess with revenue stream. Always keep it coming in. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? I would leave with them to, now I'm, I'm kind of figuring that most people here are, are most of your audience are salespeople and or entrepreneur oriented, uh, somewhat independent spirited. And I would leave with you to really, really seriously, if I could impart one thing that's of tremendous value to any human being is, Take about a half an hour, sit down and give yourself half an hour with yourself. You've probably never done that. And if you have, it's just been cursory thinking. Write down who you are as a human being. And I would write down positive things. You only, only want to write positive images. You want to put these positive images in your brain. But write down the, the qualities that you have now and the qualities you would like to see yourself having. And then find a way to blend those together and start writing paragraph form. And just write two or three, four sentences to get started. You'll eventually write a story about yourself. You get caught up in this. But that will help you so much just to know that's the picture that you carry around with you every day and take into the marketplace. Because that picture that you create, that picture you take into the marketplace determines everything in your life. That self-concept you have of yourself determines how well you use it determines where you live, where your kids go to school, what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of food you eat, everything 
is a result of that self-concept. So if you can get one thing in order as a result of listening to me yak for an hour, sit down with yourself and reward yourself by really learning who you are as a human being and knowing that that's the person you can count on above all others when everything comes down. Then you've got that always with you. Yeah, I agree. I think that's important to also figure out in case that changes. And then if it does change, figuring out what needs to be recalibrated and how your goals need to be aligned with that kind of new change as well. And I think just sitting there and thinking about it, it kind of is calming and kind of re recharges you and levels you because sometimes you lose lose track of that or forget about that with everything going on. Yeah. Yeah, 3% of the people in our society have written specific goals. 10% of the people in our society have their goals. They have goals. They're just kind of generally in mind, kind of mentally, you know, haven't sat down, really thought to commit to writing. And 60% of the people in our society have a goal called a New Year's resolution. You know, <laughs> once a year they think about making a goal for their life. But the top 3% of the people in our society have written specific goals. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah. Uh, we have a website at uh, just hiredgun.us, H-I-R-E-D-G-U-N.us. And I answer every email I get. If they would like to email a question or say, I, I disagree with what you said here. Can you explain or whatever? Uh, it's simply robert at hiredgun.us. And I'd be real happy to, to be of help to anybody. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. You bet. Thanks for having me, Roman. I enjoyed it. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.